36. Well, I believe he was at North Sydney Oval last night. I'm talking about our good mate Scotty Bailey. Now, Hannah Darlington, uh, outstanding for the Thunder. Five wickets in their four-run win over the Stars. The Sixers, impressive. 57-run winners over the Hobart Hurricanes. But I think it's safe to say the real winner of the night at North Sydney Oval was the DJ. Hello, Scott Bailey. Okay, can you, he was for the first half of the night. The second half of the night, they went all techno and it wasn't really up my alley, but the first half, <laughs> sensational things. All right, give us, give us a rundown. What was on the set list? Uh, what did we have? We had a bit of Blink-182, a bit of The Killers. Uh, Hooperstank, the reason, was a shock inclusion. <laughs> Hooperstank. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where Hooperstank comes on, he look around and there's like just that one or two people that know the tune. You just give them that little nod of recognition, like... Hooperstank yeah, fan, yeah. it was rocking the press box. It was, there were a number of us singing along to the reason. Uh, what else? I think that was uh, a bit of a fallout boy. It was, it was right up my alley. I was very happy. And That's... then all of a sudden for the second game, they got into the mood of it being a night game. And, uh, no, thank you. I don't know. Some professional DJ wasn't, wasn't my jam. I'll give you the big tip. So you reckon that sort of from, from the twilight game into the night game, they've shifted. They think, oh, people don't want the rock and roll anymore. I want a bit of the doof doof. yeah. It's not a nightclub. Yeah, they yeah, realise yeah. North Sydney Oval is not a nightclub. You know, people aren't there on the on the source and on the pingers. Exactly. <laughs> they they started crossing to the bloke on the big screen. So I almost walked out the commentary. Uh, sorry, out of the media box and started booing him. That's yeah. how I felt about it. Boo! Yeah. Uh, I relented. Yeah, exactly. Bring back the other guy or other girl. I don't know who it was, but uh, yeah. Look, they are. Yeah, if that person's listening. Mm. Uh, I want to say I apologise, but I don't. No. Uh, get your house in order. Yeah. And, Fair enough. Music going. Oh, I agree. I agree. This is your platform. <laughs> uh, it was a really tight game, wasn't it? I thought I wasn't sure they had enough runs, particularly at North Sydney Oval. And then you know, Hannah Darling was outstanding, you know, five for ten. But then, you know, Chamari had the last oval over. They needed nine runs off at the Stars and just strangled them. A really good game of cricket. Yeah, she held in it well. Like, at one twenty-five, wasn't it? Um, under batting first, so mm. I thought they were, to be honest, next to no chance of defending that. And I know the Stars have been out of form, but. North Sydney Oval, we all know, is incredibly hard to defend on. Uh, and, you know, uh, that's the lowest score that's been defended in this WBBL season so far for non-rain-affected games. So when you put all that together, I thought the Thunder would, would struggle. But she kind of darling is just bowling superbly. Like she's, you can tell she's just bowling with a lot more confidence in her body. And she spoke a bit about that last night. But also just a lot more confidence in her change up and the variations, a change of the pace. She didn't rely on too much last night, but we've seen through the tournament that she has uh, been quite great with those. And I tell you what, like, obviously she, de- she debuted for Australia two years ago as a teenager. Uh, she was 19 then, she's 21 now. I think she's bowling far better now than what she was then. It's tricky because I don't know if there's necessarily a spot for on the flight to India. They'll announce the squad this week, but from what I'm told, Darcy Brown will be fit and fine after a hamstring injury. We haven't seen her in the WBBL so far, but... And like she'll be fine. So I don't know that Hannah Darlington will be able to force the way in this time, but it, it can't be far away, especially with the T20 World Cup next year. Then we've got the Sydney Sixers. Uh, you know, they had a bit of work to do with regards to the batting. Three for 39. Uh, Chloe Trine and Susie Bates chimed in. Uh, with some pretty impressive striking. Uh, pretty comfortable in the end for them by 57 runs over the Hobart Hurricanes. Yeah, and a bit of momentum about them now all of a sudden. They've won mm. three on a trot. Uh, they, they've got... Well, firstly, they look like they're going to be unlucky on uh, Thursday in yeah, it was Wednesday in Melbourne with the rain. Uh, they sort of fell behind on Douglas Lewis turn one ball before they went off the lightning, and then they managed to literally rush on, help the ground staff get the covers off, so they could get the game back on. And with eight balls, uh, one point two overs, allowed to be bowled once the game restarted. The Sixers managed to win it, which is a 
really important win for their season. They can probably afford to drop maybe one or two of their last. I think they've got six games left. So they probably need to win four at the least five to be safe to make the finals. But all of a sudden, they're a team that can hit the finals with a lot of momentum. Um, and, and they're really dangerous. They won't get Alicia Healy back for that final series. But you know, the side they've got, they shouldn't have too much disruption as far as overseas players leaving or anything like that. They, they're probably a team you wouldn't want to run into in the finals, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think it might be right. Momentum counts for a lot in these sorts of tournaments. Uh, mm. Speaking of Elisa Healy, I think she tatted to the Seven Network last night. She said um, your recovery's coming along, uh, coming along nicely. She won't, as you mentioned, be fit for the rest of this tournament. Should be right for that tour to India. You know, fate accomplished. She'll be the next uh, permanent Australian captain? Uh, I think so. I think she will be. I mean, the, what I think, will, so they'll name a team early to mid this week, or name a squad, sorry. I believe it's likely, not definite, but likely that they'll name an interim captain um, this week just because there's a bit of a process that has to go through to name an Australian captain. It's got to get approved by the Cricket Australia board and whatnot. So it may just be a case of an interim captain this week. I, I would expect. If, you know, I'd be stunned if she wasn't the interim captain. Uh, and, you know, I'd be very, very surprised if she's the next full-time captain. Spoke to Seven last night and spoke to us a bit after the game. Um, very generous for the time in my face, considering she's not part of the team or even part of the squad technically at the moment for the Sixers. But she you know, did say that she uh, absolutely will put her hand up for the full-time job. Definitely wants it if they're willing to give it to her. And she sees it as her job to lead this transition of this team uh, into next era because there is a real tricky transition period coming up for Australia. Obviously, they've been dominant for so long. There is a lot of great young talent there. But in the next couple of years, we will no doubt lose um, Elise Perry from that mm. side at some point Elise Healy from that side Megan Shute Jess Jonathan uh, and India and England the gap is closing at the top there we've seen that in the recent Ashes series so you know there is a tricky period coming for this Australian side and I, look I wouldn't be surprised if in some ways this challenge of leading this Australian team and through that period may almost extend Elise Healy's career because um, you know it's kind of been a small period for a while now what else is there left to achieve for this Australian side but she came back from the ashes saying she felt reinvigorated by it because, you know, she found out that it was challenging tapping an Ashes series while while keeping and she probably wasn't as prepared for it as she would like to have been because Meg Running was only ruled out at the last minute, which made it tricky for Lisa Healy. So all of a sudden she has this new challenge now, potentially of leading Australia for this next year. So may even prolong her career to some extent, but she certainly sees it as her job to help do that, whether she's got the captaincy or not. Yes, yeah, I agree. I tend to agree. Now, just before we get on to rugby league, just very quickly, uh, Glenn Maxwell uh, looking a bit dicey. Probably not going to play him tonight. Uh, I'd suggest it's the right call. It's probably a good chance to give like your Sean Abbott's guys like that a run. Probably rest your Mitchell Starks, but at the same time, you know, allow somebody like a Josh English to have some time in the middle again. Yeah, I, I suspect that at least one of Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood have rested tonight for um, for Sean Abbott to come in. Um, you know, I think they expected Sean Abbott to play earlier in this tournament, but the fitness of the Quicks has, has meant that there's been no requirement to do so. But, you know, with the semi-final uh, four or five days away, and it's been a pretty arduous schedule for the, the whole team, especially the Quicks, having had no changes throughout, I would suspect that um, we do see Sean Abbott to play tonight. Yeah, I mean, Steve Smith should be fit again from Vertigo, or, or healthy again from Vertigo. It sounds like he's a fair bit healthier over there than he was a couple of days ago and feeling a lot better. So I'd expect him to come in uh, when they rest Glenn Maxwell. My gut feel is they will, but they were sort of waiting to see how he was after training last night slash pulled up 
this morning in the meantime before making a call on that. I mean, they haven't, this will be the first time in the whole World Cup that they've probably got 15 fit players to pick from. Yeah. So, you know, they haven't had that. So I think they've probably got a fair idea of what their best 11 looks like. And I think we've all got a pretty fair idea of what their best 11 looks like. But I don't suspect that they'll run that best 11 out tonight against Bangladesh. It's funny, the Maxwell innings, I mean, Fox Cricket are just replaying it 24 7. And because we're here, we've got about 50 studios, uh, 50 screens rather in our studios. Every time you look up and there's just Maxwell scything another one over the fence. It's one of those things you just you just never get tired of watching, Scotty. It's the Michael Bevan four against the West Indies of this generation. I, I, I was there. That, that, I was there that night. Oh, wow. I'm jealous. That would have been incredible. But yeah, I mean, I think this will be this will be very different innings in some ways. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, the way Michael Bevan was able to control this one. Oh, sorry, that one, the way Glenn Maxwell did this one, it's almost the, you know, and not just uh, when I say of this era, but it's all, almost the 2023 version of a right for a lot more big hitting rather than nerbling singles and twos and mm. managing the run rate. This was big hitting with a whole lot of cramp and, and incredible struggles. And I think the highlights in line is still just watching Pat Cummins, you know, training six to eight over, and Pat Cummins is down the other room sitting with his dad off to the side because he knows he can't, he knows he can't, he can't run. So it's, yeah. quite, it's just yeah. comical. It's best, best seat in the house, isn't it? The 12, yeah. 12 off 68 and a 200 run partnership. Quite remarkable. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's a where, where, we, where were you moment. Now, uh, I caught your article in the AOP yesterday about that. And, look, this is common sense prevailing, isn't it? The NRL going to expand the Women's State of Origin Series to, to three games in 2024. Yeah, I think this is absolutely, as you say, common sense prevailing. It was, in my mind, extremely silly that it wasn't three games this year. Uh, I think there was a belief uh, from some that yeah, eventually we'd go this way in 2025, that we're going there one year early. The draw will be announced on Monday, and in that will be included three women's state of origin games. There will be standalone fixtures again. Um, they will, yeah, So we played different days for the men. It's a tremendous result for the women. They, I don't think they at all enjoyed the fact that the series last year was decided on for and against. Well, maybe Queensland did to some extent, but you know, everyone knew that three games was the way to go. So that's a tremendous result. Also notable is the NRLW will stay at 10 things. It won't expand to 12. There had been an email sent out to club CEOs or clubs, uh, that, you know, the seven clubs who don't participate at the moment in the NRLW, see when they can when they would feel they'd be ready to enter the overwhelming response was not 2024 i think we talk about common sense the state of origin going to three games i think this is even more common sense yep. to expand again so quickly like i saw a bit of I was, you know a bit on social media yesterday saying oh this isn't very progressive from the nrl why aren't they trying to expand the game look the, the reality is is that uh when i did the numbers about a month and a half ago i think it was something like 60 percent of players were already signed for next year to a club. It would be even more now. Yeah. It'd be even higher percentage. How, how a new club or two new clubs could have come in and tried to have any kind of success when they would have had next to no players to sign? You know, and you got to remember of the sixty percent of players who are already signed for next year. I, I would argue that you know, almost all those players are the, you know, essentially the players that clubs want to keep, right? So therefore, they would have been trying to find players from fringe, you know, fringe members of squads and wanted to try and fill teams for next year. It would have been a disaster. Mm. So the right move's been made. Um, I'll probably, you know, almost certainly go to 12 teams in 2025. The Warriors will likely be one of those teams. And I guess say a Sydney club, although I think the NRL would like for it to be a non-Sydney club just to keep that expansion going across country, yeah. you know, be it Melbourne yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, definitely the right move on both fronts. And a really, really good result for the game. Players have been looking to, the coaches have been looking to. And, 
And, yeah, just a few other very minor things on that. There's a few changes in terms of pathways in New South Wales, moving the New South Wales Premiership to the back end of the year so it's effectively a proper reserve grade competition. Oh, that's uh, smart. I, I think that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the other... The, you know, the base is there to go to 12 teams, et cetera, yeah. in, in 25, yeah. Yep. And, and the other thing, too, that you mentioned, too, about NRLW players likely be given the chance to play in a New South Wales Rugby League pre-season club competition prior to origin. I, I know that was... One of the minor criticisms, you know, maybe that the standard that coming a bit cold and coming a bit rusty, so it'd be good yeah. if they can get a bit of, a bit more conditioning and game time under their belt. Uh, just very quickly yeah, before we... Sorry, okay. go on. No, I was just going to say, that's, that will happen. But the, yeah, the exact structure of that's a bit TBC from what I can make out at this stage. But I think it... I'll be almost certain in saying it will happen. It's just a matter of how it happens is another story at the moment. And your Seagulls, you've got a tough first five rounds. Rabbitohs, Roosters, Eels, Dragons... That's the easiest one. And the Panthers, hey? No perfect system is there when you don't play everyone twice. Any danger of a game at Royal Oval in the first month? You're exactly right. Um, no, well, Rabbitohs is in Vegas. So, right. listen, you get to, yeah. Rabbitohs is in Vegas. Are you going to so, go, I mean, by the way? Love... You're going to book yourself uh, a trip? Or? PBC, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Okay. Look, it could be a good year next year. There's that in Vegas, and there's also a T20 World Cup in the Caribbean in USA. So I'm oh, stop hoping it. my bosses are listening. Hopefully at least one of those I can get myself on the plane to the Americas. But... Uh, AAP will have someone there. It's just a matter of who, I Eddie. think. So, anyway, um, hopefully me. But, hmm. yes, Vegas will be tremendous. It'll be very interesting. And then, yeah, pretty tough run for me at the start of the year. But, you know, I, I always think we you know, we all go crazy with the draw when it comes out, right? And we do the analysis on who who had the softest run, the best run and whatnot. But, mate, at the end of the day, 17 teams are playing against each other next year. And, um, you know, who, who really knows? who's going to be decent, who's going to be rubbish come March, and who's going to be decent and rubbish come June or July, right? Correct, correct. You know, might start with tricky games, but then at the back end of the season, you might relish an easier run home. Oh, look, there's no perfect mm. system at the end of the day. you just got to get on with it and stop whinging about it. Scotty, uh, I've taken up far too much of your time. Thank you so much for giving up your time on a Saturday afternoon. My no, pleasure, Julian. Have a great day, mate. There he is. Scotty Bailey, a good fella.